The gospel lesson this morning is from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers. Sorry about that. Read that last one. Making a whip of cords, he drove out all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, The temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we come to our time of children's message this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about change, which is a pretty hard thing. So I thought I would talk about something easier, what you had for breakfast. <laughs> I'm curious, is there anyone who had eggs for breakfast? Oh, good. You're helping me out. Excellent. You're going to raise his hand, which is great. I loved that. That was great, Kirsten. Thank you. Um, did anyone have cereal for breakfast? Okay. Good. Thank you. Anybody have toast for breakfast? Okay. These are some good options. Okay, great. Oatmeal? I'm thinking of breakfast options. Okay. Um, those were some of my breakfast options. You want to tell me other things? Nothing is also an option. Okay, nothing was an option. Good, okay. <laughs> I thought that might cover things. Okay. Uh, Mountain Dew. It's going to be less helpful in my illustration, but okay, got it. <laughs> Mountain Dew's an option. <laughs> Anybody else? Coffee on the cereal. Okay, yep. This is, this is okay. Got it. Okay. So... In many of these, there was a change required. 
right? Stick with me here a minute. So for those who made eggs, you started with the raw egg. I am hoping you did not eat the raw egg. I am hoping that the raw egg transformed into scrambled, sunny side, omelet, what am I missing? Hard-boiled, poached. Okay, it, it made a change, right? Into a different kind of an egg. For those who had cereal, it is likely, unless Steve, my husband, is watching, which is possible, he's worshiping online, many people uh, have something with their cereal, milk, coffee, on top of their cereal, it changes into a different substance, right? Some people do this with their cereal. You add milk to your cereal. Some people, okay, not everybody. You're, you're in Steve's camp, got it. <laughs> Engineers stick together. Uh, if you had toast, you put your bread in the toaster and it came out changed, whether you prefer your bread lightly toasted or burnt to a crisp, it changed in some way. I won't ask you what you prefer, but it made a transition. Is this correct? Somebody's with me. Good. Okay. You made change already this morning. How hard was it? to make breakfast? It was easy. And my guess is most of you do this most mornings. We're going to talk a little bit in just a bit about transforming anger. It's a little more challenging than making eggs, but you can do it. <laughs> We're going to talk about the, the change that we are called to and it's a practice, just like putting toast in the toaster, just like whatever you do with your cereal, just like however you have your eggs. God calls us to transformation and to change. Would you pray with me and ask God to help us with this? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the call to change. Help us to practices that might help us. Amen. Throughout Lent, we've been meditating on forgiveness. In our Lenten Bible study, we're studying the book by Marjorie uh, Thompson, appropriately entitled Forgiveness. It's not too late if you're interested to join us. Our Lenten devotionals encourage us to reflect on forgiveness. And last week, I began our series talking about anger. What gets in the way of us receiving forgiveness? What gets in the way of us offering forgiveness? What gets in the way of reconciliation? Sometimes it's our anger. Last week, we explored 
anger, and in and of itself, it's not a negative thing. As devotional author Robert Law wrote over a century ago, anger is merely a force, the gunpowder, if you will, of the soul. According to where it's directed, it could blast away. Obstructions of evil defend us from temptation with a wall of fire, or it could cause a devastating injury in our life or the life of others. So do we know why we're angry or whether it's beneficial? Last week I gave you a list of four questions to kind of check in. Today I wanted to flesh those out a little bit. Here's more about the change, the transformation of anger and how it might cause us either to be eaten up or act in love. The first one you might remember was, does your anger allow you to be quick to listen and slow to speak? Does it come on in a minute and have you spewing angry words like a volcano? If so, folks better take cover. <laughs> this thing's not healthy. Beneficial anger allows you to listen, to reflect, to think about whatever the topic is at hand. If you're so angry that your eyelids might explode and you have to say something right this moment, that one's probably not beneficial. Number two, if does your anger face outwards towards the needs of others rather than focus on your own comfort? Beneficial anger always focuses on the needs of others. Where have those you love been wronged or harmed? Where have the needs of others been obstructed or oppressed? Number three, does your anger cause you to act out in love rather than that self-defense posture? You know, sometimes you and I, when we get angry, we're immediately defensive and we are sure to take care of self and any perceived slights against us, there are times this is really appropriate. But beneficial anger gives us the opportunity to act in love. And then that last one, does anger welcome the word? What's brewing inside of you rather than burn you up? So Jesus upends the temple tables which everyone seems to remember. Nobody forgets this story. Everybody seems to remember this story. And sometimes we refer to this as the human part of Jesus. I've often heard this episode on the Monday of Holy Week referred to as Jesus' temper tantrum. And I can understand why people might say this, but I want to give us a little more context. So Holy Week is fully choreographed, planned out from beginning to end. Nothing is spontaneous. Nothing is unplanned. God who created the fullness of the world, God who is here now and God who will be at the end of time, orchestrated every single detail. 
So when the merchants were set up in the temple as they did for generations before, when Jesus returned to Jerusalem, Jesus was there to stage a demonstration. So from the image of the temple I want to show you, this is what the temple looked like, you can see the merchants and the money changers were actually in the court of the Gentiles. This was intentional so that people of all nationalities could bring their foreign currency, their money, to purchase sacrificial animals at the temple. Passover was one of these three festivals that Jewish families, no matter where they were from, would travel to Jerusalem for religious celebration. It was faithful and it was raucous. It was a party and it was intentionally faithful. Both of these are true. Okay. With the court of Gentiles filled with animals and money changers, merchants and travelers, there was no sense of worship in this area. Jesus had been there three times a year for the last 33 years. He knew this place well. I can imagine how this made him feel. So there's an old cartoon I remember where maybe you've seen this one. The boss yells at the father at work and the father comes home and yells at the mother and then the mother goes upstairs and yells at the child. You ever seen this one? And then the child goes outside and reprimands the dog. Or hear it from a television show. Sometimes they say it even better. I'm going to show you a clip, actually, of a television show. This one is, maybe you've seen it, How I Met Your Mother. And there's a character who explains it even better than I could. Can we watch it? The lesson of Blauman is that when your boss screams at you, you never scream back. That's why there's a little thing in corporate America I like to call the chain of screaming. Screaming? Yes. The chain of screaming starts at the top. Arthur's boss's boss screams at Arthur's boss. Arthur's boss screams at Arthur. Arthur screams at you. You go home and scream at Lily. Lily screams at one of the kids in her kindergarten class. Then that kid screams at her dad, Arthur's boss's boss. And the whole thing starts all over again, thus completing the circle of screaming. I thought it was a chain of screaming. It's a circle, Ted. I called it a circle. I don't scream at Lily. And I don't scream at my kids, none of whom have parents who work in Marshall's firm. So it's not a circle. Fine. You want it to be a chain of screaming? It's a chain of screaming. I came up with a circle idea halfway through because I thought it was a more elegant metaphor, but fine, ruin it. You guys always undermine me when I'm trying to make a point and I'm sick of it. God, I'm surrounded by idiots. Idiots. <laughs> See, doesn't everyone feel better now? <laughs> more than once, we found ourselves somewhere I won't ask you where, but we found ourselves somewhere, right? In the chain, you can call it a circle, I don't care, of anger, having been handed the next person's frustrations. Today, I invite you towards the change, the transformation, 
Transformation is moving across one form to another, a way of being moved. Transformation is moving from seething or irritation towards righteousness or reconciliation or restoration. Transformation is a process, just like moving across town or moving from one side of the world to the other. It takes time. Did you notice when Kathy was reading, there was one detail. Jesus made a whip. Some translations say it this way. He braided the whip. This particular story is included in all the Gospels. That's why we know it so well. All four Gospels have a version of Jesus turning over the tables in the temple ahead of the Passover celebration. Sometimes, in other stories, Jesus will kind of delegate. He'll use object lessons. You know, the disciples, they went and got the colt for Palm Sunday. They were the ones who secured the upper room for the Passover feast. We call it Maundy Thursday. But the work of braiding the cord, the, the whip, that's Jesus's work. He didn't have one of the disciples do it. He could have. He didn't have one of the animal herdsmen, they were around, give up the whip cord for the demonstration. Jesus takes the bulrushes, they're everywhere, and he takes the rope and he binds them together. In the busyness of the temple, which continues all around him, he focuses and braids the whip. And he creates it to get the attention of the merchants in the court of Gentiles that I showed you. So how long does it take to braid a whip? We're not sure. But I'll ask you this. How often when you get angry do you pause and seek, a, seek to challenge your anger into something more constructive? I'm not sure I'd respond well to this question either. Transform your anger into something more beneficial? How long does it take when we do it? I do want to clarify something about this translation. It says, making a whip out of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. Translators have gone to great length to say that the whip of cords was intended to be used on animals, not on people. I think it's really important. Our scriptures have been misused to oppress and justify the abuse of peoples. In fact, this very issue is under discussion right now in a new translation of the new Revised Standard Updated Edition. They're going to work it out which way they use the words. But what I'm sure of is we're called to care kindly for one another, and abuse is never justified. We're called to transform our anger. So the temple is transformed from a den of robbers to a place of prayer for all nations. So if we go down that checklist I gave you at the beginning, Jesus' anger allowed him to be quick to listen and slow to act. Jesus' anger faced the needs of others, and he acted in love. And Jesus welcomed what was inside of him. 
So after braiding the whip, he knocked over the table, scattered the money, chafed off the livestock, and no one was hurt. His demonstration changed the temple forever. And we have a new relationship with God. So maybe we need to learn to braid the whip. Bashram Ehrman tells a story when he was a little boy in Palestine. The story goes a little bit like this. He was always avoiding the gaze and interaction of Israeli soldiers. He was 12, the story goes, when he saw another young boy shot by a soldier. And so he and the other boys felt a need to respond. They had to do something about this. In his town, the boys were called freedom fighters. This isn't what the rest of the world said. They, they said terrorists. And so they began to throw things. They wanted to do something. They'd throw things at the Israeli soldiers in their jeeps, bottles or rocks, and then ultimately discarded grenades. Two of them exploded. And these teenagers were sentenced to seven years in prison at the age of 17. While in prison, this young man, Basham, struck up an unlikely dialogue and friendship with one of the guards, Israeli guards. When he was released from prison, he became part of a movement of former Israeli soldiers and former Palestinian freedom fighters who met in secret to support the Oslo Accords and some paths forward. So he co-founded this organization called Combatants for Peace. And they have led a nonviolent struggle against the occupation. Even in 2007, when his daughter was gunned down by an Israeli soldier, understandably, his anger and rage could have turned to vengeance and hatred, but his commitment to anger, I'm sorry, his commitment to avoiding and transforming his anger and rage in the face of grief and heartbreak showed that transformation. He said this, after all, it was one Israel soldier who shot my daughter, but it was 100 soldiers who built a garden in her name at her school. They showed transformation. He learned to braid the whip. Might we learn to braid the whip? My prayer for us, as we think about change and transformation, is that we might know that there is anger and frustration in life. Might we evaluate it? Discern if it's righteous. There are times it is. And learn from Jesus, who teaches us to braid the whip. This is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.